now and say, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, it feels wonderful to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. You may be seated. Someone repeat after me. I am blessed. I am loved. I am powerful. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five and say, you are blessed. Tell him you are loved. You are powerful. My word, we have been having revival around this church. God has done wonderful things throughout this week. Have you been blessed? Have you been blessed? Such a great presence of the Lord. People were baptized this week. People received the gift of the Holy Ghost. The church has grown. Very literally, we had two ladies in the church give birth this week. So Kaylee and Ashley both gave birth earlier this week. So the church is growing. So many wonderful things taking place. And I do want to just simply say thank you to the church for coming out to those extra services throughout the week. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. I know it's extra gas money. It's extra time, but you prioritize the house of the Lord. Thank you very much. God has blessed us in a wonderful way. And today you are about to be blessed. I am about to be blessed. Pastor Jason Varnum is with us. He is the senior pastor of all of our Souls Harbor locations and endeavors. He is a wise man, and he is a preacher. You ain't going to find a better preacher in anywhere, anywhere around this world. He can preach, and he is going to speak to the heart of this church this morning. Are you ready to be blessed? Are you ready to be encouraged? Are you ready to grow in God? Do you want God to move in this church today? Do you want the Lord to take us to another level? Why don't you put your hands together or lift your hands, do something, and begin to pray as the man of God comes right now. Oh, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't you lift your hands one more time? Let the Lord know I'm so thankful to be in your presence. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I magnify your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm looking at this cutie over here. He was staring me down a second ago. Hi. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am so um, excited to be here and to be able to preach the Word of God. And um, I'm thankful. You know, uh, God gave our bishop a vision uh, many, many years ago when he was a young man and deciding whether or not he was going to start pastoring in Bellevue. And uh, while he was praying, uh, all of a sudden, people, the back doors opened and people just started coming in. You're probably going to hear about it a, a little bit more in detail during the connect point. But People kept coming in, and just it was a it was a God thing. And he backed up to the corner, and it, all of a sudden it was a bigger building, and the bigger building. And then the last uh, time there was no walls; it was just a sea of people, as far as you could see. And uh, then just like that, he was back on his face, praying before the Lord. God had given him a vision of what would happen if he went forward. And then uh, a number of years ago, I was uh, it was during the New Year's revival. And uh, I was praying and I remember praying. and It was almost as if uh, that in my spirit, that back wall, if you go to Bellevue, you know, going out to the playground like it just disappeared. And it wasn't that it was a bigger building. 
it was just beyond the walls. Uh, and so it wasn't long after that that um, God put it in our spirit uh, to pursue uh, more focus in Donellan and then Dade City. And so this is part of the vision that God gave me. And I'm just so thankful uh, to be here. And you have an amazing pastor, Pastor Daniel, Sister Lacey. Amazing. Thank you, Lord. And what God is doing here is wonderful. And uh, I might start a little bit slow and it might not even seem like I'm in the Bible at all. Uh, but we'll get there, okay? So just stick with me for a little bit, and uh, we're going to go. But before, I, before I, I start, let's just ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds for the next few moments. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now, God, anoint, <laughs> anoint this congregation. Anoint me. God, your word is already anointed, but help us. Let there be a connection between your word, the man of God, and the people of God. I pray in the name of Jesus, let the Holy Ghost flow freely in this place. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service. God, I pray that we will leave this place and we will go into this new year with fresh focus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. If you agree with that, will you clap your hands to the Lord? Thank you, Lord. And I, I, am, I am here with strength because my wife is with me. This is my wife, if you don't know. Hallelujah. Woo! And my son and my, I guess my other children. I have like 28 children. No, I have four children. Once you get past two, people think like, you know, what's wrong with you? I'm like, we, we like our family. You want to leave us alone? Um, I, I, if you um, are paying attention in the world that we're living in, uh, you, you know that there are things that are happening. And uh, one of the things we all need to pay attention to is who is controlling the narrative of our lives? And what is the narrative that they are controlling? Because whoever controls the narrative controls the past, present, and future. A lot of the discussions about who's going to write the history books in our schools because whoever controls the narrative, the storyline, is going to make people think this is what our past is, this is what our present is, and this is what our future will be. And, uh, and this is, for a moment here, this is where it don't seem spiritual, but just stick with me for a moment. One of the uh, main things that we're, we are seeing people try to control the narrative right now is what is known as big tech. Um, like it or not, technology has changed our world, uh, some to the good and some to the bad. And technology itself is not the problem. Uh, it, it's a tool uh, that you can use to good or bad. It's like a brick. I can have a brick, and I can throw it through a window or even a fake window. I can throw a brick through a window uh, and cause damage, or I can take the very same brick and build an orphanage. The brick doesn't matter. It's whose hand it's in and what their intentions are. The same is true with technology. 
uh, social media is neither bad nor good uh, in and of itself, but it is used uh, for one or the other. For instance, there are some that may be watching me on Facebook right now uh, and hearing the word of God. That's a good thing. Uh, there are other people at the very same moment somewhere in the world that are online social media and they are viewing horrible things and participating in horrible things. Uh, we need to open our eyes and see uh, how the world and how the enemy of our soul is using social media to control the narrative because if they can control the narrative they are going to control the outcome of our lives uh, I personally am not on social media I have enough to deal with um, and uh, but I have close friends and family uh, that are and uh, people that I personally know that have been blocked because they put out their opinion and what they think or they re retweeted something that someone said and it's on all media platforms YouTube Facebook Twitter etc uh, uh, they are choosing uh, what stories they want to be heard uh, and they're doing this because they want to control the narrative uh, because that's how you control people and uh, now the interesting problem, I'm not going to go deep into this, but the reason it's interesting is that social media claim themselves to be a social media platform. What is a platform? Well, you're looking at it. A platform is something that you express your opinion from. This platform does not have an opinion. I have an opinion, uh, which is based on the word of God. And so we, we look here and we realize uh, they, they are claiming, oh, this is just a platform that anyone could say. But now uh, they're trying to determine uh, what people get to hear. Uh, and, and this is not a new thing. Uh, my family has been to England, to, to London, uh, to Hyde Park, I believe it is, the speaker's corner, uh, where they put, there's a box. It's actually, from what I understand, where the term came from, get on your soapbox or get off of your soapbox because there's this box that people stand on and they can say anything they want because that box don't have the opinion the person has the opinion and what some people don't understand is when you start censoring what people say at some point that's going to get back to you right now you may like that but there's going to come a point you're not going to like it that's why many years ago whenever they voted uh, about having cigarettes in restaurants I did not vote for that I did not because I like cigarette smoke. I do not like cigarette smoke. But as soon as we start telling people what they can do in their buildings, they're going to try to come in here and tell us what we can do in this building. We've got to be careful because what goes around comes around. We've got to pay attention. We don't just go with the flow of this world. You've got to pay attention to what's going on. And the reason I say all this, and let's bring it to now, when you control the narrative, when you control how people act and how people think, you begin to control. I've had many people ask me, Pastor Jason, uh, why is there so many different uh, um, uh, religious groups or uh, different branches of Christianity? Well, what happened with that is there were some so supposedly smart religious people that connected with the politicians. Nothing good happens at that point. And, uh, and they began to control the narrative. How did they do that? Uh, uh, they started with many different things. One of the big catalysts to this was what was known as the Council of Nicaea, 325 AD, uh, where they 
began to uh, get together and they began to add little things that, that they thought uh, they should. They began to try to uh, uh, put together both paganism and Christianity. Uh, they're trying to mix all these things together. And, and that did not do it in and of itself. What really did it was this. They took the Bibles, the word of God, away from the people. And so they got up and said, this is what the Bible says and this is how you need to believe. And, and, and it became a, to the point that if you had a Bible, you would get arrested because you weren't smart enough to have a Bible. You weren't spiritual enough to have a Bible. What were they doing? They were controlling uh, the narrative uh, of what was going on. By doing this, there were different doctrines that came into play during the time that men and women did not have Bibles to read uh, for themselves, saying such as uh, uh, incorrect methods of baptism there's a right way to be baptized and there are many wrong ways to be baptized for instance things like infant baptisms now people that want to bring their children and baptize them I think that's a great attitude of the parent but nevertheless it's not biblically correct baptism is a salvation issue that each and every one of us have to make for ourselves so I cannot make the decision for my son Andrew here for him to get baptized. When he come of age and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, uh, he made that decision to be baptized. <laughs> Baptism is not something I can force on anyone here. And if I can't force it on you, I can't force it on a child. Where did that idea come from? When people didn't have Bibles to read it for themselves baptizing in the titles instead of the name of Jesus that did not happen when the apostles were here that started during the times that people did not have Bibles study it for yourselves the belief in multiple gods now I'm a firm believer in the Father Son and Holy Ghost but the word Trinity is nowhere in the Bible these are terms that came about during the time that people did not have Bibles and they could not say, well, the Bible says that, that he was manifest in the flesh. I, I see all these different scriptures, but I don't see any scripture that, that, that describes him the way the priest was describing them at the point. What was going on? They began to control the narrative and they did it for year after year, decade after decade, century after century. Once saved, always saved. It's always been, always been that we are required from Genesis to Revelation for the decisions we make today. There's a reason why his mercy is fresh every morning because we need it every morning. Praying people out of purgatory. All these things happen when we did not have Bibles to read and everyone was just telling us what to believe. They were controlling the narrative. And when people no longer have the word of God, the enemy begins to bring chaos and confusion. And this is what the devil does. He tries to control the narrative. Controlling what you hear determines what you believe. There's a famous story that uh, we all know. As a matter of fact, people that don't even think they believe in religious use this story. Sports, uh, whenever uh, 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 Duke is going against a no-name team, they call it David and Goliath. Everyone uses it. 
It's a powerful story, but I want to take a moment and look at it for a moment. Understand what was happening before we get to this moment. We are talking about the people of Israel, this mighty, mighty army. Understand, they are coming off of many great victories, not defeats, victories. We have just come a couple of chapters before this. We are talking about Jonathan and his armor bearer that climbed up and led the people of God into a great victory where they defeated the Philistines. We, we've already seen these things happen. When you look at the chapters before what we're about to read, what you're going to find is they took on several nations at one time and defeated them all. They were a victorious army. They were winning, winning. They were on a winning streak. But then something happened. They knew who the Philistines were. They had defeated them in the past. I would think that they would just march on the field, wipe them out, mop the floor with them, go on to the next thing. But something changed. One of the things that changed is the king had lost his confidence because he disobeyed God. And so he knew there was something wrong here. But now what we find is David approaching the battlefield. He is bringing his brothers some food, expecting to hear the sounds of war. But instead, what he found was the army of God, the army of God that is hiding behind rocks and hiding in the caves. Why? What was going on? They were a great army. How did this happen? Somehow the enemy got control of the narrative and took them out of their victory. We read it in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 3. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the other side. And Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. He's a huge man. His weight is uh, uh, six cubits in a span. How tall he is. That's roughly 10 to 12 feet he's got a helmet of brass and his armor this coat and how heavy it was and 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 the things that the brass that wrapped around his legs and his shoulders and his verse seven talks about his staff was as a weaver's beam he stood in verse number eight and cried unto the armies of israel and said unto them here we go why are you out set a, a battle in array? Am I not a Philistine and ye the servants of Saul? Not the servants of God, the servants of Saul. Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If I be able to fight, if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. And if I prevail against him and kill him, he shall uh, we shall be your servants. And if he kills us, we'll be your servants. Either way it goes. Verse number 10. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. 
And when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. What happened to this army that had had so many victories, had won battle after battle and they are suddenly afraid it was because there was a man that they began listening to day and night day after day and somehow it allowed them to take over the narrative because they were a great army but they allowed the enemy to get them thinking about themselves so when David steps on the battlefield this is what he heard send me a man Send me a man. What was the enemy doing? He was making them feel isolated. Looking at themselves as individuals instead of the army of God. Together, they have won battle after battle. Together, they had defeated their enemy time and time again. But now they are saying, I can't win this battle. I'm not strong enough to defeat him. I don't have what it takes. And when you start looking at yourself, you start hiding behind the rocks. When you start looking at what you can do, you start saying, he's too big for me. There's no way for me to defeat him. I can't do anything. But I'm here to tell you, it's never been about me and it's never been about you. I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm in the army of the Lord. I can't do it individually, but we can do it collectively. With God, we can do it. I promise you, as soon as I start looking at myself, I start questioning everything. Why are you the pastor of this church? What do you think you're doing starting churches in other cities? Do you really think you're smart enough? Do you really think that you've got the organization to do it? And as soon as I start looking at it, I start saying, no, I don't. And the devil tries to control the narrative. But then something hits me in the head. And I say, guess what, devil? I'm not going to let you control the narrative. It's not about me. It's about the body that is standing with me. Come on, church of the living God. You don't have to fight the devil by yourself. Stop letting the devil control the narrative. It's not about you. It's about the body of Christ that's standing with you. If you just become a part of this church, please don't just come and sit on a pew. I need you. Pastor Daniel needs you. Sister Lacey needs you. The church needs you. We need your, your voice in a prayer room. And we need you to open a Bible and tell someone what you know. We need you to be a witness to someone around you. We need you to step up and say, hey, I'm a part of the body of Christ. Maybe I can't do it by myself, but together we can. Together we can make it. Together we can do it. I know together it's possible. If you've been a part of the church for a long time, please don't stop working for God. Please don't outgrow ministry. 
Keep finding something to do. I'm going to do something because if we keep working for God together, the enemy cannot stop us. Lift your hands right now. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking to someone right now. Come on. You feel insignificant. Me too. The only thing that gives me strength is you. The only thing that gives me strength is when I know we're fighting this thing together. The devil will not stop talking to you. He he can tell me, you're not good enough to build the church, Pastor Jason. Maybe you're right, devil, but we are. He says, well, you can't pray enough for revival. Maybe I can't, but we can. All of us together can. First of all, we have each other. But secondly, and most importantly, we have God. You see, when David walked onto the battlefield, he was shocked. Why is everyone hiding? Why is there anyone fighting this man? You see, they have been listening to the narrative of the enemy. They have allowed him to take control. And they began to allow them to point out all of their shortcomings. But David had not been in their echo chamber. David had not been listening to the enemy's narrative. He had been in the field with the sheep. He had his harp out and he was singing to God and God was talking back to him. And now here David is as he's worshiping God and he's hearing God say, with God all things are possible. He's hearing God say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I can see David with the man down in the valley saying send me a man that can fight he said I'll go to the valley because I've heard the narrative of God when I go to the valley God is still with me we need to hear the narrative of God you know what we need at Souls Harbor of Denellen and Souls Harbor of Bellevue and Souls Harbor of Dade City. You know what we need to hear? People in a prayer room saying, God, let me turn the news off. God, what do you what do you got to say about this? See, see, David didn't walk on here and day after day, send me a man, send me a man. David had been hearing God say, with me, uh, all things are possible. He'd been hearing God say, with man, it's impossible. But with God, uh, all things are. That's what he's been hearing. But the devil don't stop. He keeps putting it. David, Goliath kept talking to him trying to dominate the narrative, trying to control what David was thinking. He kept telling him, focus on you. Focus on you, bro. You're not even a man. You're just a boy. You, you ain't nothing. You can't defeat me. You, you can't bring me down. But David refused to let the enemy control the narrative. He picked up five smooth stones and he walks on the battlefield. And in 1 Samuel 17, 42, and when the Philistine looked on him, he saw David and he was so mad that he said, this is but a youth. You're ruddy. You're fair in countenance. You don't look like you've been a day 
day in the sun, boy. What are you doing out here? Am I a dog that you're going to come out with staves? And he began to look at him. And then he began to say, look at here. I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowl of the air and the beast of the field. And David began to talk back to the Philistine. And he said, you're not going to control the narrative. You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of hosts. I've come to you. Someone's got to control the narrative. Stop letting the devil tell you how weak you are and how impossible it is. You need to say, I come to you with a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of grace. Someone's got to remember that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Someone's got to remember if God be for us, who can be against us? Somebody has to reach back to the word of God and say with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Someone join with someone beside you and begin to speak faith to them. God's going to do it. God's going to bring you out. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's it. It's time to stop playing games with the devil. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm tired of playing the devil's games. You're not going to control how I think anymore. I believe God. I believe the narrative of God. Woo! I feel faith beginning to rise. I feel faith begin to rise. Come here, Brother Cortland. Come on, Angel. You got a pen? What kind of doctor are you? That's all they do. Here we go. Sorry, Angel, you get to be the devil. The angel became the devil. Well, that actually happened, come to think of it. Sorry about that. Didn't mean for that to happen, but there it is. You get to be God, Cortland. The Bible says this. What is the narrative? The narrative literally means the storyline. How the story is going to go. And the devil don't control my story. But if the devil has been writing the narrative of your life. This is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Now, now you got to be, if you miss this, you've missed it. Because the narrative is the storyline. And as long as the devil, start writing, as long as the devil has it, as long as you let the enemy write the narrative, he's going to control your thoughts. He's going to control your children. He's going to control your marriage. He's, you let him keep writing. But if you can get it out of his hands and put it in God's hands, now God begins to write the narrative of your life. Now God begins to say, this is what's coming down the road for you. This is what your, your child's not going to be a drug addict. Your child's going to be a preacher. Your wife and your husband, you're not going to separate. You're going to become a pillar of the assembly. 
Important. That scripture still up there? You see it? Look here into Jesus. The author and the finisher of our, not of your life. He's not the author and the finisher of your life. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. That means God only starts working when you start operating in faith. As long as you are not operating in faith, he's got the pen or you've got the pen. Not him. As long as I'm the one making the decisions, either he's got the pen or I got the pen, but not him. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. And so the only way to change the narrative and get it in God's hands is for you to start start taking steps of faith. It's when you start taking steps of faith that the narrative changes. That the oh yes, I'm serious. I'm talking about the walls of Jericho. The narrative was playing. They're too big until they started walking in faith. Until they started walking in faith. Paul and Silas, you're going to die in jail until they took the pen out of the hands of them and put it in the hands of God and started shouting and started dancing. That's how the narrative changes. Lift your hands. I ask you, when you walked into this place, who's controlling the narrative of your life? Who's controlling the narrative of how you think? You say, well, I am. then you're going to write yourself in disaster because you don't have the power. The devil would love to have you say, I'm looking for a man. He's coming to this church saying, I'm looking for a man that will fight me. But the church says, you may not find a man, but you'll find a church. You'll find the people of God. And when we step on that battlefield, we're not doing it by ourselves. Uh, God, uh, wait, what's going on? What are you doing, David? Uh, that's a giant. Uh, he's too big. Uh, but, but the narrative says you're about to lose. Uh, but I'm not letting the devil write it. Uh, I'm taking a step of faith. Uh, and as soon as I start walking in faith, uh, God starts writing. Uh, as soon as I step out in faith, uh, God begins to write the next narrative. Uh, I'm here to preach to somebody uh, that you've allowed the devil uh, to control the narrative of your life uh, too long. It's time for you to step out in faith and let God. You're not always going to be sick. You're not always going to be sick. You're not always going to be sick. Your family is not always going to be sick. You're not going to be lost. You're going to be saved. Right now, will you join with someone beside you and begin to pray together as an army of God? It's time for the narrative to change. Come on. God don't start writing until you take a step of faith. Maybe you need to get out of the aisle. Maybe you need to take a step to the front. 
Maybe you need to get out of your comfort zone because when God begins to write, it's when you begin to take steps of faith in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it, ministers and altar workers all over this place. Come on, it's time to change the narrative. That's it, man. It's time to let it Holy Ghost step in. I'm telling you right now, you need to take a step of faith, sir. No one can do it for you. You need to come out of that seat. You need to come between those aisles and say, God, I'm coming. I need the narrative changed. I look down the road of my life, and it's not going in the right direction. Come on. Let God step in. I rebuke the devourer. I rebuke the narrative of the enemy. I rebuke the narrative of the enemy. You're not going to be lost. You're going to be saved. Your kids are not going to be lost. They're going to be saved. If you'll just walk in faith, God takes over. that's the Holy Ghost right there in the name of Jesus if you're done praying for yourself find someone else to pray with come on Jonathan get an armor bearer with you God give us victory right now Oh, oh, I know the enemy looks big, but I wish someone would just take a step of faith. I wish someone would take a step of faith. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Come on, that's it, sir. Let your voice out. No one can do it for you. That's it, ma'am. Let your voice out. Come on, you need something to stretch your faith today. Or you're going to keep writing your own story. Or the devil's going to keep writing your story. God, don't start writing until you start taking steps of faith. Ye shall live and not die. Ye shall live and not die. He la 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 maya soto dre mayanda. He la 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 bosi oto dre maya. Ki la 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 maha. He la 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 bosanto dre maha. He la 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 bosanto dre mayanda. That's it. Let the Holy Ghost do it. Let the Holy Ghost do it. Let faith begin to rise. Let faith begin to rise. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, the presence of the Lord is here right now. Don't fight it. Don't try to kick against it. Yield to the presence of the Lord right now. That's it. You ought to throw your hands up and surrender. If you need to, you ought to walk up into this little altar area right now. 
Lord, you are the author. You have full control of my life. You have control, Lord. You see where we're at, Lord. Oh, right. Right on my heart, Lord. Come on, the Lord does all things well. He does all things well. Oh, he wants you to prosper. He wants to give you a good outcome in your life. Oh, he's not a man that he should lie. Oh, yes. Come on, you've been trying to struggle to keep control and hold all the pieces together and work it all out. God knows what's best. God knows what we need. God knows where our family's at. Oh, yes. Oh, that's it. I see some tears flowing in the altar right now. The Lord's dealing with some of us right now. That's it. Yes. Oh, hallelujah. Go ahead. Give him your marriage. Give him your career. You've been frustrated. You've been concerned. Give him your future right now. Oh, Lord, you control where my life will go. Oh, the Lord is my refuge. The Lord is my fortress. He's my strong tower. Hallelujah. That's it. Reach over. If you're done praying, pray with somebody else or stretch your hand towards someone that is praying. Pray for them right now. We're an army. We're an army. We're in this together. You're not by yourself. We're in this together. We're an army. We're a great force. You're, you're a part of a great church family. You're not by yourself. Don't let, the, don't let the enemy isolate you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Come on, let the Lord speak to you right now. Put the pen in his hands. Come on, go ahead. Yes. Oh, that's so wonderful. That's great ministry happening here right now. Let the Lord use you to encourage a brother or a sister. Yes, oh God, speak to us, oh Lord. Help us, oh Lord. Come on, maybe the enemy's been lying to you and trying to isolate you from the church, trying to get you on the fringes. You need to run right into the, the, the core of the church today. You need to be smack dab in the middle of everything that God is doing here in this church. Come on, there's nothing to be divided about. There's nothing to be upset about. We're a strong church. We're a great army. We are better together. 
We're stronger together. Yes. Hallelujah. That's it. Pray until you speak with other tongues. Pray until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Enemy been trying to lie to you, tell you you can't do it. Come on, David. Yes, you can. Come on, David. You can defeat that giant. Go ahead, David. You can do it. You're stronger than you've been acting like you are. Come on, you're stronger. You're mightier than you think you are. You are powerful in Jesus' name. Yes, yes, yes. Those keychains. Hallelujah. Jesus' name.